Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Can I just ask you, um, what got you doing this okay yeah of course i um i started off um uh with a with an idea that actually um i, I run a company called called new heat and uh, and we're we're an underfloor heating and renewables company and the thing that really floats my boat more than anything else is seeing other people do things that they either didn't know they could do or didn't think possible yeah, and so um, so running new heat's great, but this gives me an opportunity to to perhaps um, sh- sort of share some thoughts around that kind of thing and how having a purpose can can make a difference and and hopefully yeah. uh, encourage people to to think about that and, and maybe focus a little bit more on that. Uh, but also, uh, one day I'd quite like to write a book, <laughs> and so uh, and so if if sitting down and writing is going to prove challenging for me then yeah. um then then maybe talking i might find slightly easier and and then it can be transcribed <laughs> and and maybe i can make some sense of it another time so that that was the reasons why i got into it and, okay. uh, and yeah and I, I really enjoy it so how far do you think you're off from doing a book uh well i'm i'm i've actually decided to kind of just tweak it a bit and actually come up with a model first of all so um, I've got, I've, I've certainly got enough material to write a book. Yeah. But it's about the structure and the clarity of message and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I've got some thoughts that have been documented uh, in various forms. What would a structure of a model look like that somebody else could, could follow to enable them to do it on their own? Yeah, very nice. So uh, okay. that's the idea. So I've not really answered the question. <laughs> I, did, I, I did get bought the... Um, uh, was it the Stephen King "How to Write a Book" book by Stephen King, the yeah. horror writer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's written a book <laughs> on writing. It's called. Yeah, it's there, and the bookmarks yeah. in it. Fair dues. Okay, on, the bookmarks in it, right on the front. I've not even opened it. It's you can see the spine uh, is 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 completely yeah. unbroken. Uh, so yeah. my brother won't be very happy. My brother bought me this, and uh, okay, I d- I d- actually, I did confess to him that I hadn't even opened it yet. But um, but yeah. One day, one day. Yeah, um, uh, Vinita's uh, husband Tom bought me a book on how to write your first book or something like that, mm. um, and and and, put, and said take this as a down payment on the first book you write, Matt. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I've done nothing, not read his. I've got an idea for a book, um, and that's why I keep quizzing people on things like that, and people offering to coach me through writing a book and yeah. and things. And the whole the whole book is only supposed to be you know, one and a half hour read and then you're done and then yeah. you know how to change, change the world through design. <laughs> so, um, based on what I've, um, you know, been doing for like the last 20 years. So, uh, I just got to get it out of here at some point into onto the pages. So yeah. I even, I found the illustrator, I've got the, how it looks and everything, but I've just not got the content. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, it's probably all in there, as you say, somewhere. And, yeah. and, and these things are sometimes just a case of sitting down and doing them, aren't they? Yeah, which is really hard for me to just sit down, you know, yeah. sometimes. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> okay. but I am right now. Well, this is, this is really good content for the, for the podcast episode anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so we might, we might, in, we might include that if you don't mind that little, that little, that little you segue. Can, but you've got me anywhere you want. Fantastic. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, in that case, that's an offer I can't refuse, but I should introduce you, uh, uh <laughs> before we go any further then. So, so welcome Matt Hocking, uh, who is, uh, who Thank is you. a, a, a a pioneer of of low carbon creativity um, and uh, has been helping uh, businesses well and other organizations uh, for about uh, 15 to 20 years now to yeah. uh, to to get their whole kind of low carbon thinking in place bit of balance bit of future proofing in there and um uh, Matt's the founder of Leap which is a uh, which is a B Corp design agency that's been uh, going since 2016 um, and is a, a mentor coach uh, for other organizations seeking to go through the B Corp journey. So there's your CV, Matt. Uh, wow. I, it's, not, yeah. it's not complete though. There are, there's some other bits that I haven't <laughs> mentioned yet. So, so, but I thought, didn't want to spoil it all. Uh, so, uh, so welcome to the show. 
Thank you. No, it's really, really good to be here. It's always really interesting when you start people reading back one, you know, what they know about you and uh, the things you do that sometimes you forget as well and going, oh, yeah, I do do all that. <laughs> Is that, that probably explains why sometimes you just need to sit down every now and then. Yeah, yeah. And my, um, you know, uh, my sort of neural divergent mind keeps me on my toes constantly anyway. So, you know, the hence I described myself earlier as my brain's like a human pinball just firing away all the time, different, different ideas, different things happening and, uh, and learning to breathe in between. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good, a good thing to be able to do if you can every now and then. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, um, so what are you working on at the minute then? Is there anything specific you're working on right now? <laughs> <laughs> so I was explaining, I was at uh, a regenerative leadership immersion uh, last week and I was. somebody said, oh, what are you working on? And I explained and they were like, oh my God, do you not just need to take time out already just even listening to what you do? <laughs> and it's like, so we've got the kind of design for change, the stuff Leap does. So, you know, whether it's working with Bernardo's on independent living uh, tools for young people going through a care journey. So we've been working for a couple of years now with, you know, Bernardo's and uh, young people going through a care journey and care leavers on kind of what, what tools do they need to have positive independent living? And we came up with a series of augmented reality videos, um, a co-designed brand called Life Labs with the young people. We do a lot of doing things together. So rather than, you know, getting a brief and just going, Hey, um, we want this and you can give us that based in your design. We like to involve the stakeholders, you know, to kind of map it out properly it's going to be usable and um, digitally we produce so stuff with bernardo's we're also working with spaceport so spaceport's probably one of our like for many years leap has just been kind of like what i call green to green so like you know in a way like um preaching to the converted um and we wanted to sort of test ourselves out what is it like to work in a high carbon industry and in what i call uncomfortable space mm. um um and so that's been really good to kind of understand the the impacts of space um in a very very much you know, evolving arena as well, as you can imagine, you know, we're seeing more stuff go up there and there's going to be tens of thousands of new satellites going up. So, and there's no kind of true code of conduct over space. So we've been from here with the only female um, spaceport director in the world, really looking at impact reporting, potentially looking at donut economics uh, model. So I can't do all these things. I bring in really wonderful, you know, critical friends and contacts that can do stuff way better than I can do. But Typically, as a designer, I'm just a sort of hive of a network of contacts and, you know, synaptic um, excitement. So we got all of that and then run a little festival co-founded called Good Fest, which is like a festival of creating conversations by the beach. Can't quite afford the beach yet. So we are on the cliffs above. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it turns out, you know, doing events on beaches are pretty expensive and mm. also <laughs> tidily, you know, maybe not so good. But yeah. we get to walk down to the beach. So that's the 29th and 30th. So we've got about 120 people gathering from all over the UK to really look at sustainability through the lens of affordability, accessibility, and accountability in each way that our speakers, you know, want to put that over. Um, another thing I'm working on is Boardroom 2030, which um, again, there's a format. Boardroom 2030 is, is a uh, a campaign of B Lab UK that runs the B Corp certification. It's really getting uh, businesses used to having young people on their boards and what is it to hear, invite in, um, listen to. And uh, normally it happens on like a one to one, you know, one business activates, uses a set of toolkits, hears from young people in the room, maybe their employees invites young people in. I wondered what it was like to, to do it with 120 businesses all at once and, um, <laughs> and created a, a kind of a sellout, uh, event in April, end of April this year. And since then we're being asked by other aid. Um, but the biggest thing I always love. Uh, David is unlocking change and whatever way to unlock change and action and hope that's kind of where I am so I could reel off hundreds of other things I'm getting on with at the moment but maybe that's enough for now well that certainly gives a flavor Matt and uh, I suppose it, I suppose it begs the question where does where does this drive to do all this stuff come from I guess there's a really good question on the drive um I think there's, you know, maybe two, two levels. So I've always loved creativity and that's by being my path since I left school, you know, I 
kind of academically burnt out after school um did okay but art had always been my love graffiti artist when i was a kid and stuff like that and things um and I just decided to carry on into art college and things. And so my career has been always art and design based. I wasn't trained in design, but yet I got lucky with my very first job, two ex-Sarchi directors, and they showed me how to boil down my graphic, my my illustrative way into a graphic way. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this until 29, but I was actually quite disillusioned with work. And, and yeah, it was too easy. It was, I could make a good bit of money and I could make companies a good bit of money by just just doing whatever I wanted creatively. And although most people go, that's brilliant. You could just travel and do all these things. I was like, no, there's something like missing. And then I ended up getting a job at Eden Project. So becoming their first graphic designer at Eden. So went for an interview because I hadn't been interviewed for years, turned up all suited and booted to in a porter cabin, Eden was just about to open and they literally, you know, this is the top level directors, Tim Smith and people like that, just going, why are you here? Why are you wasting our time? You're, you're a corporate designer and stuff. And I was, was working for Sky, Lego, telecoms company at the time. And I just said, look, any designer worth their salt, and this is literally the words I said, uh, any designer worth their salt will adapt to the client they're working with. So imagine your environmental world and my corporate world meeting. And I think I took about, you know, showed them my work. They were okay. Nothing like wowy. Didn't think they liked me. I took about maybe 40, 50 paces off from the port cabin. We had the interview in and I got a call saying, do you want the job? Mm-hmm. Um, and life changed a lot at that point. And, um, you know, a month later, I came down from Torquay where I was living at the time and um, started my life at Eden, which was in the backyard of where I grew up anyway. So I grew up in what's called the clays, the rural clay mining area of Cornwall, surrounded by nature. And as and the reason I took the job at Eden, because I didn't do any research beforehand, was it hooked me. There's a question you gave me about my nine-year-old self. So I'm really jumping ahead now. Mm-hmm. My my eight and nine year old self either wanted to be David Attenborough, David Bellamy, or Neil Armstrong. So I love space. I love nature. You know, I collected lots of butterflies, caterpillars, whatever I could find in the fields and bring them back to my dad's shed. So Eden was actually that my childhood self found the home of where I actually started to enjoy creativity. And then that creativity was making a difference. So I called it making a living, making a difference. So everything really stemmed. The dreams I had as a yeah, eight, nine-year-old boy came to fruition and purposeness, purposefulness when I got to Eden. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of why I, I asked that question, because there is supposed to be a link between your eight, nine-year-old self and yeah. what you love to do then and your purpose because that's when you you kind of come through that 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 childhood phase when you're kind of just working out you know where am i from the age of naught to seven and then you begin to develop something more consciously uh from from that age into the teenage years so so that's really interesting and and the the whole thing about sustainability is a is a is a probably is an emer- it's an emerging field or it might have been them um and and possibly quite a challenging area to get into so uh, so you did quite well there yeah no um, i guess i was lucky i had the power of eden so eden was very embryonic then so printers wanted to work with us people wanted to listen to us and on top of that we were designing both for the eden project and we were designing for eden's partners so it kind of had a pretty sexy client list straight away. And, and for me, you know, you probably heard the term like bags opportunity all throughout our life. We're filling our backpacks with new experiences, um, people that make a difference or uh, something you saw, whether it's a, an album or, you know, um, a book or something like that. And they, they stay with you, especially, you know, when they resonate. And I think all my jobs all my careers up until that point had given me the ability that when I came to Eden I didn't see barriers I just saw opportunity a a complete blank canvas to marry again that corporate world with uh environmental action and funny enough I thought I'd go to start at Eden and they would go right now you're going to be a sustainable designer this is how you do it they had bigger things to be worrying about I was just left in my portal cabin to just do my own thing and do what I do best is start going searching for knowledge 
talking to printers going well actually i only want to print on recycled paper oh well no that's going to be expensive well, i don't think it will be much more expensive because i used to work for a printer for 18 months and i know how to lay out things and actually if we do three jobs at once on one sheet and you know maximum size a a sizes use 87 percent of the paper so only 13 percent waste very quickly all this stuff um started coming back from all my learnings but on top of that you can probably feel it now it, there was a thirst I actually started to enjoy. So I took a 50% pay cut for Eden, but it was far more enjoyable. You know, I always use a term from um, a Blur song, so it gives you an enormous sense of well-being when you're kind of <laughs> making a difference while making a living, especially using creativity. So I became really, you know, into my papers and learning about the history and the story of paper, so much so that, you know, Southwest Tourism rang up back in the day and said, Matt, we hear you're really good with paper and digital. Could you run a conference for all our destination management organizations on paper, digital on the planet? So, you know, I brought in speakers and just talked about different types of paper and how it gets recycled and things. So, yeah, found my my love in the simplest of places in one of the most wonderful parts of the country and the place where I was born. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And so how long were you at Eden? Only three years. So um, it was an amazing, what I call halcyonic three years. And um I, you know, I thought I, I just literally turned 30. I'd just come back from, um, cycling in China and Tibet. Um, and, uh, I was like in that phase going, oh, I don't think I'll make any more friends in life. You know, I kind of, you know, oh, it's a bit nervous going into this. I've been living in Torquay for like eight years and, and designing from there and going up and back and forth to London. And yeah, I started in October. 2000 i think it was, was it 2000 or maybe 2001 i forget 2001 october the 4th 2001 so there for three years and and the only only reason i set leap up was i kind of thought it was a job for life to tell you the truth um but i fell in love and um with a girl that was working there and um she wanted to move away and so it's like oh what do you do after working at eden mm. i could only i'm not a city person um and it's such a <sighs> amazing hotbed of brilliance to be the only place I could think of was like natural history museum might have some of that vibe. Um, but didn't fancy again, London. So I created leap and, and leap was, you know, the idea I didn't want to just be Matt Hocking freelancer in his bedroom. I was leap freelancer in his bedroom and leap was kind of out leaping away, asking people to take a leap of faith. Cause at October, um, 2004 on the 4th, that's what my intent was to create a business that only used environmental uh, materials to do what we do and every pixel every piece of paper would be done as best it could be for the environment and so it's like a leap of faith nobody really thought I, everyone said i thought i'd fail so they did say how can you only design with the environment in mind i said how could i not and then the other bit of leap was like life environment and passion so those kind of like integral ingredients kind of meshed together so yeah um leap started with love um a certain idea of being a slacker as well david i thought my partner would be the the main bread earner she was far more intelligent and business savvy than i and i was thinking yeah i could surf and i could just hang out and do the odd job but unfortunately we moved away and the company she went for didn't have any money to pay so we kind of very quickly had to metamorphosis into making some money yeah yeah okay and so you were sort of an, an accidental entrepreneur then is that oh Hundred percent accidental, yeah. Still, <laughs> and still, and still, to be honest, I don't know what I'm doing other than I believe in doing everything we can for people and planet, and trusting my gut. I'm kind of jumping around some of your questions here, but those, though, that's I've always gone with my gut, and it's a privilege to be able to do what I do. Um, but if somebody said, "Well, what's your business plan?" or "What was this?" "What was that?" I don't have one. I still don't have one, you know, um, but just design for the planet and, you know, a planet, planet centered thought process. Mm, okay. Okay. So, so you say you don't have a business plan? <laughs> no, not really. I've just gone, you know, my last um, couple of thousand pound pay at Eden, I bought a laptop and went for it. Well, okay. Okay. Have you got a business plan now? No. <laughs> okay. Right. So how do you know what's going to happen next? Um, I guess there's a plan in your head, isn't there? So there's nothing formally written down. So uh, some of the intents of Leap is, you know, I went through four design redundancies, quite enjoyed a redundancy in the end, because because uh, then still sell back my talents to the company that may be redundant because they needed consultants. Um, but I tried to create 
not necessarily it all in the right way, but kind of like a safe harbor for anybody that worked with us. So it's sustainable. So, you know, underneath the overarching values of, you know, um, thoughtful curiosity and uh, sustainable um, optimism. And so a lot of leap is from day one has been based around that. Actually, curiosity was the only one we recently brought back in a few years ago, just because I felt everybody was uh, not being curious enough. Like, you know, we, it's like a favorite wine. You keep using the same recycled papers or, you know, you're content that you know the carbon footprint of the website. And I said, actually, you've got to stay curious. So on our ceiling in our studio, it says stay curious. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go, oh, when did that get there? I haven't seen that. And go, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Keep looking around, never down or never straight. So, um, so yeah, more, more it's around safe harbour, just going from day to day. But obviously, when we're talking sustainable business, you you can't, you know, if anything, I'm not actually that risk averse, even though it was a risky start when mm. in going into the unknown, as you build and you get getting there, and it's kind of like being protective over those you employ, making sure that, you know, the design industry, especially is very much all higher and fire. And, mm. you know, we've never had to do that. Um, you know, fur- we'd never furloughed or anything, you know, we've kind of maintained a steady, sometimes, you know, tumultuous path, but, um, but going back to the plan, the plan is just to create change through design and make a living while making a difference. Okay. So what was it thoughtful? curiosity thoughtful, uh, thoughtful curiosity and sustainable optimism now at the last session my team said you know could we change sustainable to responsible and i was like yeah sure you know i'm because you're really you know i serve them um and although they will listen to me sometimes um it's really kind of what, what they feel so responsible felt, felt right mm-hmm. um and then interestingly i just happened to be talking to yellow mule who's the um E-M-E-A for Patagonia and, and runs the campaigns and the brand for them in Europe. Um, and he's coming over to Goodfest. He was like saying, actually, we don't use the word sustainability at all in Patagonia's language, which I didn't know because we only use responsible. Wow. Okay. That's really fascinating. And he's going to explain that at our at Goodfest, why they do that, which I'm really excited for our audience to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, yeah, and it's you're describing the process of, of, well, it sounds like it's quite a kind of a live process. The whole thing about checking in with your values and and it being a, it being a team game because we we went through a a process at, at New Heat where we we didn't just want values that were sort of stuck up on the wall and and yeah. you know and, and ignored as you say by by people. Mm. Uh, it's a case of making sure those values live and breathe. So actually, it's talking to your people about the values on a, on a regular basis and uh, and also to your customers you know how does it how does it feel how what, what does it look like you know what does it smell like working with with our organization and you get some really good feedback on there because because actually there's the values of things that you say and there's the way you behave and really it's it's in the way you behave that it makes the difference yeah 100 percent. and i'd say you know um one of the successes of Leap is just relationships, mm. you know, and very good, honest, authentic relationships where, you know, ultimately I, you know, years ago when we first set up Leap, we had another design agency phone up and just go, you've got a wonderful USP. I didn't know what a USP was then. So I had to to do a search on it. It's like unique selling point. I was like, well, the environment isn't a unique selling point. It's, you know, it's the, it's the, the pure life of why we exist to do the things we do um because my money has never been my my big driver not because i'm rich or anything like that it's just because it's an outcome of the bits you do enjoy Mm. um and i've also had kind of like a mantra about what is enough you know i've never been there to go you know you'd be a huge earner if i can just live off where i am and um but yeah learning that some people saw my business usp was interesting i was like well actually and then i go well you can do it and they're like what you want to tell me how you do what you do? And I'm like, yeah, because everybody should be doing it like this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we very much, I'm all for like what I call the sharing economy and, and, you know, us definitely not being a USP and seeing as many agencies, creators as possible do this. And that's hence also why we created Goodfester. It was kind of like, it's not just ours. There's a series of us that are co-founders, but it was bring back creative people together and share what we know and share others that we know with them. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And so how many people are in your team now? Uh, I would say with part-timers say 10. Okay. Um, 
which scares scares me. I'm a, I'm a kind of like about a seven, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> for what what my brain can handle versus my historic past of redundancies and things like that. So mm-hmm. I I do do get very nervous. And you know, it's not been perfect sailing, you know, for leap like anything. You know, it's that swan like outside image and underneath you're paddling like crazy and um and a lot of people see you per- we're perfect or environmentally we know it and actually business and individuality is all about ever improvement you never ever going to get to uh, you know at end point where you go tick i'm done it's learning from the world learning from the people and ever improving i'm, I'm not the easiest you know boss or anything you know i'm kind of always in a learning phase and i guess you know especially um being you know neurally divergent as well sort of thing you know my brain is kind of like doesn't you know necessarily respond in the same way as others sometimes mm-hmm. so just tell us a bit about about that neurodivergence then because you, you've mentioned that a couple of times yeah um talk, talk us through that and how it manifests well, it's, it's taken a long time to find out. So it's adult ADHD um, and just really uh, a couple of comments from people, you know, over the years and then thinking, well, no, this is just the way my brain works. Surely everybody's brain works <laughs> works like this. So very, very gut responsive. I can, you know, I had a business coach, you know, Philippe and our team back in 2018, 2019. And I was, she was like, how do you see an image? Oh, I say, you know, if somebody gives talks to me I see like a thousand versions of it in my head and like it's literally just me in the center hundreds of mirrors and she was like okay I've not heard somebody describe it like that and as we went into it deeper she was like maybe you should check out some bits about yourself and then I I just looked deeper so but you know like a lot of people say I've been lucky you know it wasn't you know diagnosed as a child it might not have even really been there so um but through my business life it's come together so you know different things I can hyper focus you know, really well. And, you know, for long stretches of time, if I say I'm going to do something, you know, like, especially like a drive or something, I can just like keep going um, with ease. But then the other side of things come in, you know, we talked about book writing, you know, at the beginning, and I find it really, really hard to, to write things down. I find it really hard to have presentations with words so much so that I don't have presentations with words. I procrastinate massively. I get very anxious. Um, I've got really high expectations, but I think, without what I have, I wouldn't be where I am in business, but I do trust my gut massively in the feelings. I don't trust in here so much in my head. And, um, and I think really fast. And I think that's one of the problems with the team sometimes is just the, the sheer speed I, I, um, think at. Yeah. and, and how do you how do you um or is there is there a way that you um you 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 found a way to kind of help them to to keep up with your thought process <laughs> um sometimes again you can fall into old habits so you know a lifetime of doing it this way isn't necessarily you know easiest to to break the cycle but just simple techniques like you know just put a hand there just to slow you down and ground yourself and things mm. it's, relax a bit more um we do things like walk it out so if there's stuff on our minds and stuff you know we we live along a leaks based along a river so we just grab a team member walk it out mm. whether somebody mind whether that's a meeting just talking about finance the business whatever just changing the environment so using nature as that boardroom to a certain degree yeah um and then the other side of things is just you know uh, gradually explaining to the team, you know, where it is with myself and that not as an excuse or not, not wanting, you know, sympathy because it's not necessary. It's a superpower, mm. but just kind of like, you know, unfortunately my brain is going to work in these ways, which will mean it will cut corners. It will go from A to B really quickly rather than kind of, you know, see the whole landscape. And then other times, David, I can break away and I can see that multifaceted landscape, like layered up like an onion to make some really quick, decisive decisions. And um, for whatever reason, with our clients, you know, um, our clients seem to love it when they get a bit of my brain. And, you know, <laughs> so, and I try and say to them, look, you know, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I won't be able to repeat some of the stuff I say because it will be gone as quick as I say it kind of thing. But um, if you feel I can be useful, meaningful, I'm there for you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, it, and this fascinates me because my, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, and I talk about this about this a lot, and uh, and she's currently on a uh, on a on the start of a bit of a campaign to help the education system to to mm. um, to be more inclusive uh, and yeah. to and to to recognise that people learn in different ways. And um, she's sort of coming at it from a kind of an ADHD type perspective. Yeah. But the way I look at this is that actually I've been working in teams for for several years, and 
there's there are always people on on any team who are more action orientated who think faster who are more head than heart or and then there are some that are more heart than head there are some that need uh, time to reflect there are some that just want to take action and you know they've got their pants on outside their tights and they're off you know you know doing the superman superman or superwoman thing within within seconds of uh, of an idea landing and so um you know and, and we've all we've all got our own unique um, neurological uh, yes. preferences um, and emotional responses to that and being able to talk about those kind of things um, you know shining the light on the fact that everyone should feel um, uh, you know comfortable happy understood heard um, is is really really uh, crucial and it's a it's a big challenge for not just schools but also for businesses to really harness that power no, I, I agree. And I think, again, it's, it's kind of just like the gender landscape is changing. So is what we know about, you know, our brains and how we respond and operate. And and I think, you know, having that space to let people be, you know, who they need and want to be while also having those um, support networks in business. And I think, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I wouldn't want to change anything because it's got me very far in life and 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 got me looking at things and staying childlike curious but um no i i i completely agree and i think it's just you know this is where like this like you said the school system the exams and all that these kind of tick box things that you know get you through the first phase of life aren't really appropriate for the changing way of understanding about you know neurodiversity and i you know, we've got a client which actually might be great for your sister to look at called Inclusion Labs. Okay. And I was with Temi in London last year, and that's really looking at um, diversity, um, equ equity, and inclusion within the school sector. So it's a, it's a platform um, for that, helping school to understand it's not one thing. You should actually deal with them all together because they're all interconnected. So rather than going, oh, we're just doing the diversity thing at the moment, it's mm all of it so rather than doing three or four things at once especially when you bring in justice it's do one thing together with the framework so you know i again my own daughter had a really interesting um school experience where you know she was deemed you you know as a, a sort of failure a troublemaker um we through life we changed schools and then she finished you know that school she went to the English teacher contacted me at the end of the first term and said, I've been waiting to teach a student like this all my life. Um, we've given her an award. It should be for a whole year's worth of work. We're giving her the award after a month. It's going to put out a lot of other students, you know, back. And then as we went on to, you know, get these kind of like nine, whatever they're called, nine, nine stars or something. I can't, I get yeah, really confused yeah, by it. Yeah. What they call A stars or whatever. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. I get yeah. really confused or by nine, Yeah. No, it, maybe it is nine stars. It is nine. It's nines yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I should know that because I've got two daughters and one of them just, <laughs> just gone through GCSEs. So, uh, so yeah. So I should, yeah. I should know it's numbers now, not letters. It's letters at A levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's really just interesting, you know, to see, see that at work and, you know, try and, you know, when my second daughter went to do her exams, we purposely decided just to not do three GSEs and the school were like, you can't do that. I said, we're going to do that. So she focuses on where she's strong, strongest because she's not going to use those and she needs five to, to get in. But now I think, I mean, everything needs re-looking really at. And this is where sustainability, regenerative nurse, whatever you want to call it, it's like everything needs to change. And we're in this really tumultuous decade of change already at the very beginning. And we're very privileged that not a lot of it's affecting us just yet. So, mm. you know, cost of living crisis and, and the like, but obviously we've got, you know, a lot more happening and the sooner we can do more sustainable living, sooner we can see the, the planet as being part of family and connected to us, the, the better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So from your uh, business perspective, then uh, quite often when you uh, look at uh, entrepreneurs, you start a business, they do say that it's very, very hard to start a business on your own and to keep doing it on your own. Uh, so, so did you have, or do you have a, um, a, a, a partner or a support mechanism or when you bring people into your team, do you look at the dynamic and, and look at okay, so how can if I if I'm good at this and I've got this, I need somebody who's who's got that. How 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 does that work for you? Really good questions, and I'm chuckling away because 
you think that would be the right thing to do, but it it isn't. This is where my my gut comes in. So a lot of people have just walked through our doors and just turned up and showing good work. And I've not really thought about the like the people dynamic. You know, just sort of well, other than they seem nice. I get I quite like easiest ways like fall in love with people quite easily and i trust first you know I'm, I'm very very trusting um so like nathan you know becca and Corey uh, all turned up you know literally just sending us there you know and this is our work i'd love to do like three months intern we liked them that much that we couldn't imagine work without them so they've just stayed and like nate's been here like 12 years now and and things like that so we got very high retention rate i was talking to someone the other day and we got like something like a 96 percent retention rate or something right um and um I, so again what there's been the skills but sometimes you know i've hired when somebody hasn't quite got the skills because they're just really good at conversation and thinking my our clients will like the conversation more than they would like the skill so like you know, in development and web. Um, so there is a little bit where you go, actually, a lot of our work is like, you know, people buying into people and I want a, a, not a hidden business. I want every member of the team to be able to interact with our clients, which mm. especially in the creative sector, I don't know what it's like in other sectors, but where a lot of time your creators are hidden because you don't want to lose them to a client going, oh, I really like that person. And they run off with the account or something. Yeah, We don't, we don't have even any contracts that protect ourselves against that. <laughs> so um, um, other than we in good faith and, and stuff. So yeah, really the people that have joined us have just showed up and they it's just worked and they stayed and they seem to have bring their beliefs and their actions and they're not all environmental at least sometimes it is you know just a job but then gradually and we don't you know push them go you must do this with an environmental cudgel they just gradually start shifting and that's i guess the playfulness of design in the studio um a couple of times we've gone for specific recruitment roles and um but my worry with the business is they kind of get they come in with the intent and the, the bit we wanted say project management the missing bit but then there is a certain chaos within leap so mm. they sort of get caught in that maelstrom of uh like the whirlwind of activity that happens in leap which is kind of you know people and planet and profit for all so uh we have to kind of remind them just stay on the path we we brought you in with skills that we don't have don't get too caught up in our own story yeah yeah sure sure and so i suppose if that all is a bit chaotic and uh and yeah if, if you bring people through uh perhaps you're almost doing a doing a trial thing if they're coming through as a three-month intern you're both having a bit yeah. of a look at each other and, and, if it, yeah. and if it works it works but from a customer perspective and again everything that you're saying is talking about relationships and communication and all that sort of stuff yeah. but do you do you need to uh, focus on any specific uh, metrics if you like from the point of view of what a customer needs from you to kind of keep you on track with with delivery um yeah another good question so obviously the customer will come with the thing they want so hey we want a low carbon website or we want a brand um we want a design you know, a bit of print campaign for surface against sewage whatever they come for but I think what we take pride in goes back into the the our values, which is the the term thoughtful curiosity. So in that point, we will always challenge our clients over what they're asking us for. At the same time, we'll look at the landscape they're traversing through and actually go, actually, how can this affect planet and people as well in this? So and a lot of time we get coming back when we do our feedback um on projects and reviews and how successful they were is, you know people saying oh we 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 thought we we're asking for a creative partner but we landed with a thought partner and i found over the last few years especially that more and more of our clients just want time with me just talking through their businesses mm. and you know i was doing that with temi the other day in london you know we haven't met before we met in the pandemic she she came to us looking for um, a diversity partner created that was diverse. And I said, oh, you've come to the least diverse part of the UK. 1% people come from, you know, um, a marginal sort of you know, minority community, BAME. And, um, but she liked my honesty and just said, actually, I still like to work with you. Mm -hmm. So, and, and for me and Leap, we were learning off Temi and what she was doing around, you know, inclusivity, diversity, uh, and equity. So it's, it's that honesty is done well. And then 
you know, what we call have way, way ahead sessions, you know, every few months with clients now, they just pay a fee. And then I do something called board meetings, um, typical of a Cornish person, mm-hmm. um, which is come and join me on a surfboard, which I'm super below average at surfing um, and paddleboarding, which I'm okay at and just will meet and we'll talk about business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great thing about when you're in the natural environment is what you think you came to talk about seeps away and you start talking about, you know, your truth and what's under underneath everything you do in business. So, and the idea with the board meetings in lockdown, because the whole world was out on Strava doing loads of really amazing things. And I was at my desk with our team in our remote offices. I was seeing all my friends running, cycling, paddleboarding, and I was not being able to do any of that. I thought, actually, how do I get to do the business I want to do, which is and be in nature, which I love to be in. So yeah, board meetings were born, and they've worked really well. Fantastic, fantastic. So, so are you um you 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 spend a bit of time on bikes, don't you? I love my cycling. Yes, yeah, and um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I didn't buy my first car until I was thirty-two. So I used to cycle everywhere um shame i bought a car because you know i put weight on easy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um interesting thing about cycling is the legs are great the upper body doesn't seem to ever lose anything for me. <laughs> um and then i just i love the way we can traverse the world and see the world and it's not as slow as walking so i have you know cycled in you know tibet and canada and china and i've cycled the camino in spain and things like that and then you know, more recently there was a cycle ride for COP26 and, um, um, and the platform Do Nation, which gained uh, climate pledges, like small microclimate pledges from individuals. I like the fact that it was raising climate pledges on this, you know, 540 mile cycle. So I joined that. Um, I raised 621 microclimate pledges from people. So people were trying to give us money and I was going, no, no, no. We just want you to like reduce the heating on your washing or eat vegetarian for one day a week or something like that. Yeah. Turned it into a carbon calculation. Yeah. And what was, what's been amazing is a year later, people still come up to me going, I stuck to that thing I did for you. Amazing. Um, so, so cycle is a way of community, um, a way of having discussions while being, again, you'll hear me talk about being in nature, being environment a lot. So for good fest this year, we've arranged a cycle ride from Bristol to the festival with then a pedaled power climate and social film festival Hmm. um, at the end of the the ride. Excellent. Excellent. I do, I do have a bike, but, um, but I'm more of a runner. I say, I say say more, more of a runner. I say I'm not a fast, (laughs) I'm not a fast runner, but, uh, but I do, I do love wild open spaces and and running. Just, just, that just does it for me. You're in Devon, you said, so are you close to the moors or anything like that? I do a bit on Dartmoor. There's a, there's a, there's, yeah, I've got lost on Dartmoor a couple of times and, uh, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's not really orienteering, but it's sort of (laughs) self-navigation trying to find some, well, not the way I do it anyway. Uh, and, uh, I, 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 I'd be a discredit to, uh, to the orienteering profession but um but yeah and, and then then I'm, I'm quite near the uh the, the I'm about eight miles from the coast so okay so you so say running around uh woodbury common where the um the marines train and um and and all of the uh east devon uh coastline and, and all that okay. sort of stuff yeah so it's uh it's it's a it's a good spot but i'm from bristol so yes. uh so I, I do have a, an affinity with cities i quite i do quite like yeah. cities i love going back into the city and you know big city bright lights all that sort of stuff but um but actually being able to be out with with as you say with nature and wide yeah. open spaces just uh just i i think i think that's the joy isn't david is like when we can go in t- partake of these places for a while put our energy in and then come back to what i call our sanctuaries and stuff and it's kind of with good fest as well so what we wanted is like 60 percent of our audience come from out county we want them to come and pause by the sea talk about change and un- you know getting unstuck if they're up against it with their you know where they are in business or life and stuff like that so uh you know and you know i'm so proud of you know being and um, able to work and coming from Cornwall and live here um, and and run a business that, you know, has a global footprint as well. So it's, um, it's, it's a good place to be, but give, yeah, happy to go to the city every so often. I was there last week, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's great. It's great. So, um, so, so your perfect weekend then, how would you spend your perfect weekend? Um, A perfect weekend. um, I would say 
now my daughters are older it's really probably with my partner uh georgie and um we would go off and we would camp somewhere and it's got good for a sunset that we could use our reusable barbecue mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and might involve a little bit of music or just a couple of nice drinks so yeah just i think it's it's just taking that time out really and uh, both of us are, are very busy individuals and she she's a managing director of a, another b corp mm. and um yeah it's just getting those, those moments i mean this weekend um i went and uh to the queer surf community have like a like a surf it's like uh, accessible for all surfing weekenders and stuff. So they were down in Cornwall and I, I know the community builder, um, Frazier. So I just went down there and joined them. And it was so, so lovely to support the growing surfing community down there. I went and I had a couple of hour longboard lesson in the sun. So I've not had, you know, I've been surfing, you know, since I was 29, I've never had a lesson. So it was quite interesting sitting on the beach, having a lesson about surfing, which is very kind of natural you don't think about it mm. and then they were saying well, you need to do this with your feet you need to look up you need to back and down i was like oh my god you just made surfing so complicated for me. <laughs> but then i went out on the waves they're about two three foot and then the stuff they just told me kind of i experimented and made made sense yeah, and, yeah. you know so yeah. that would be it yeah be, being in nature enjoying the county i live in and just taking time out uh, my brain doesn't shut off very often as you can imagine and you know, my weekend is normally a window from, you know, you know, Friday tea time till, you know, Sunday morning. And I start ramping up work again on Sunday Mm, because I enjoy, I do enjoy my work. So, um, I do love going down, you know, environmental, um, rabbit holes and learning about, you know, sand batteries or the latest paper made out of algae and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm with you on the, on the kind of, on the, on the, uh, environmental uh, trail. I think it's really, really important that we look after, um, our planet and, uh, and, and the people and the people on it. Um, yeah. uh, but, but there are, there are those people who say, well, you know, it's all, it's all, a, it's all a bit much. It's all a bit too right on. Um, and, um, and, and really what difference is it going to make if I recycle this or if I do that? I mean, what's your, what's your response to people that talk like that? Uh, that's a, a, a brilliant, yeah, another brilliant question. And I think it's, it's really interesting because like there's a couple of little different perspectives you could look at this is like, it's like if we didn't intervene now, and do the things and what if somebody told you later on it's like savings isn't it and everything like that if you save for this you could get this later on in life but if you leave it to the last moment then it's going to be you know very expensive very challenging and not maybe not doable so it's like it's that unknown so for me i I use the term activist reactivist or inactivist so i'm an activist and an activist for me is i use my business and activism i'm not somebody that's necessarily going to glue myself to a building and do that i'd rather use my business as strategic activism and then i'm an activist in taking action both for my health and the world's health in cycling a bit more running a bit more you know choosing what transport to use a reactivist you know is the one that's kind of like you're told at the last minute you're gonna you know, going to die or something like that. And suddenly you go, oh, well, if I do this now, what about that? And what about this? You know, and so, and a reactivist is that very expensive pathway Mm. as well. And then the inactivist is exactly kind of what you're saying is the person that thinks it's somebody else's problem to do. And, and for me, and that kind of like, yeah, somebody else will pick it up. But what if it is you, what if you were that person that would have just been enough to have made that change or change that vote or, made that community project happen and i think it's like you, you know that whole thing you got to be in it to win it now i i love our world and yeah maybe it's a bit over urbanized now and we haven't looked after our species and you know we're learning now about you know how toxic air pollution is leading to our, our body's health issues and stuff like that and it's just kind of like that's doing what what can we do to this wonderful place that sustains us we don't sustain it mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh so yeah i I just get on with it. And I've, you know, I've got really close friends, David, that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum to me. He goes, I, like you said, I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know why you bother. Your work is going to be ineffectual. And I always quote the, um, the Jane Byers quote is kind of like the antidote to despair is action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of my hopeful, stubborn optimism all the time is um, I'm taking action. And, you know, proof in that is I was disillusioned when I was earning a lot of money 
and not helping the planet and partying all the time. Mm. And then when I had less money, but I was helping the planet every day with my skills, I have never felt so good. I get stressed still at times and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Like anyone, I've got 16 and 17 year old daughters as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but the, that going back to that line, the enormous sense of well-being, mm. that, that is, that is it to know that everything we do is making a difference. Maybe not for us, but maybe a young person in the future, maybe the planet in the future. And same with the space. You know, a lot of people like saying, I can't believe you're like working in space. And it's like, it's going to happen. So what can I do? Maybe as a grain of sand in the scheme of things, you know, I'm very, very small mm. in it all. Mm. But could I, just could I sway somebody that maybe sways somebody else up the line. So, mm. I, I mean, I, I not always say the other thing is a lot of people feel overwhelmed. There's just too much to do. And so, you know, pick what you can do well. So if you're great at glow, growing vegetables, grow vegetables, you know, cost of living crisis at the moment, you know, it's comparing electricity with people the other day. And I was like, yeah, I'm up to 140 pounds a um a month. You know, I was with bulb and obviously bulb's been taken over by the government. Um and but then I pay I got an eight thousand pound loan for solar um in twenty thirteen. So I worked out what my energy's cost me this year and then taking off the solar payback because I was getting like 14p back a thing. And actually my energy for the whole year since January so far, gas and electric, has been with a household of three, three hundred pounds. And in the summer months, you know, my bill might be more, but then I was getting higher cash back. So I didn't know that was coming. It just felt the right thing to do, but I'm so glad I've got it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, and that, that's all, that's all really, really helpful because I agree with you. If there's one thing that you can do and, and, and my, my children have been brought up to look after the planet you know that's all talked about in in class everything else uh, but sometimes still that kind of that coke can goes in the rubbish rather than in yeah. the um uh, other other brands of fizzy drinks are available uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it goes in the um it goes in the in the rubbish rather than in the recycling and it's like well, yeah. wh well why why have you put it there and it, I've, i i have to kind of make sure my i don't i don't get i don't get triggered because then there's there's some things that i do which are mm. which are not environmentally friendly. So, for yeah. example, I perhaps and I'm not ashamed of this because this is just the reality of my life. I shouldn't be ashamed. I don't have an electric car. No, me neither. So I run a I run a underfloor heating and renewables company, mm. um, and you know we do still sell systems to people uh, who who are who are who are on on mains gas when we know yeah. it's more efficient than. Um, than a radiator system, for example, yeah. uh, underfloor heating, uh, but um, but it's still not as efficient as a heat pump. But we're not going to not, you know, we're going to make sure the customer gets what the customer customer yeah. needs. I'm still yeah. driving a, um, a a petrol car because, from a practical perspective, um, I found that the distances that I sometimes have to drive mean that it mean that it wouldn't, wouldn't work. But the times come in now where I will I will I will make the change to electric and um, and meanwhile there are things that I feel that I I, I can do and I have done um, and it is all about taking those incremental steps and I love that micro commitment idea. Yeah, I mean, it's worth checking out the donation platform, what Hermione created out of a kind of a college project, basically. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and like I said, it's, it, I guess we're all unlocking for easy ways for people to see that they can make a difference. And I think that's what, what that platform knows. And like you know, Hermione said, nobody had got the total, the amount of pledges I'd got. But I said, like, I think I'm quite well connected i put it in a couple of like extinction rebellion groups and all sorts of things and lots of people got behind it and um i think my mum put a lot of pledges in as well <laughs> uh, originally she said oh no son i don't think i'm you know i'm from that generation where there isn't much we can do and then later on she's like oh no i can do things yeah. i've been telling my friends mm -hmm. but i think it's that's the thing is sometimes we think we have to do everything and we can't because of, you know, money or time and family and things, you know, over to me, got to be sustainable for you first. Mm. But if we break ourselves, we're not going to be any good for the world anyway. So that means giving time to our family, our partners, our children, you know, making sure that we're happy in work and things like that. And mm. so there might be some nudging that needs to be done, but it, it starts with us. And, um, 
and then the same for me, I drive a diesel van and everyone was like, well, it's not very, because I had the van just swapping for an electric car doesn't mean I'm saving the planet. And actually I'm still intrigued about what the future of the electric car is. Um, and my van, you know, we know vans have a good life, so I can do probably another 50,000 miles on it yet. Now, COVID, the one of the upshots is I'm not driving much now. So, you know, and actually the whole, you know, remote businesses and stuff like that. And, you know, same as like, you know, our friends from Holgrain who you had on, you know, recently, yeah. you know, looking after our carbon footprint, having a carbon budget is very much a day-to-day practice within the business, but we don't tell our team, you can't do this. We cover a bit for them. And then we leave it to their own intuition and action of how they might interrelate with the business. But yeah, yeah I think again, I, I love, I love unlocking and I mentioned bordering 2030 and I found getting young people around business leaders is fascinating you know so when we say young people it's 18 to 30 and we brought in environmentalists you know we had people from extinction rebellion youth we had scientists artists um all of it in this room with all these hundreds of businesses and afterwards the emails are getting from business going i never looked at things that way or i never thought to listen to a young person on a ball level yeah and now they're implementing it in like the body shop and Bates Wells and other organizations have all implemented a good, good energy have all implemented youth boards. Yeah. 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 Not because of us, by the way, just for, because they, they know listening to the young people is important. Listening to people that have been in business for a long time. Right. Right. And, and yeah, having that complex, um, that complex world that we're going into. And, and I suppose there's got to be a business case for it, particularly in, in some sectors, because you know, that they're the customer of the future. Yeah, exactly. Or they'll be running our businesses in the future. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah so, uh, and again, for me, it's just a change unlocker. Once you start listening, go, what does the environment mean to them? What, how do they feel about the job situation and stuff like that? What sort of company do they want to work for? You know, we're getting a very, very different lens to look through than our kind of lens of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So if you had to um, put your your purpose or your why into into one sentence would you be able to do that and with my brain not for not very well and it's an interesting thing with you know simon sinek's always kind of start with why Mm. um i think my purpose to me is to be a change catalyst through creativity um so uh, humanity what defines us is our creativity, is is our art from other species. And I don't think we realise just how powerful we are as creatives, you know, for creating good, to creating stuff that's, you know, extractive to the world versus stuff that's, you know, regenerative. Um, So, yeah, that catalytic power, you know, for change and creativity. And that's kind of where I sit. So I would say I'm neither good nor bad at what I do. I just am. And... I, I I usually say I'm a really good signpost to doing things better mm. uh, mm-hmm. and a green dot connector. So to those of tend to be my terminology there. Okay. And okay. and for Leap, it's just always been designed for change, you know. Mm. So that that purpose has been change behavior, change futures, change materials, um, change life, really. So um and we've never strayed from that design for change remit from day one of creating Leap back in two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. And you made a comment earlier that um you didn't quite put it like this, but the whole kind of thing about profit following purpose. Are you finding that's, that's panning out for you? Yeah, we're still here and we've been there. You know, this is just saying, oh, we found our purpose or our purpose is this. And surely when we created businesses and we had purpose, it was just making money through the thing we thought was a good idea. But ours was kind of like, actually, our purpose is to, to use design for a better world. And, um, so far, I mean, it's not been an easy ride and it's up and down and it's always um, lean for us. But then, you know, we give away 5% of our turnover through our, our our giving budgets. We don't have a marketing budget. We have a grant for good that, you know, environmental and social organisations can uh, appeal, for, you know, apply for to put towards their projects that they might not have money to design the thing they need to design. You know, our team get five days volunteering days paid for a year. We've got two days slow travel. You know, I suppose if you speak to any of the B corporations, you'll find we're fairly alike in these things, but we've all managed to kind of remain profitable to some degree um, while doing profit that's good for people, profit that's good for planet, and then having a little bit of money in the bank to do some more change making. Brilliant. That's <laughs> fantastic. Excellent. Okay, good. Well, look, I mean, we're, we've, we've been talking for about an hour now. 
<laughs> so, uh, so, so, so things have things have been going well. I guess um, I've got a couple more questions to ask yeah. you, if that if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I generally ask guests on the show uh, who inspires them the most and why. Again, I I saw your question and I really struggled with this to be honest, um, because I'm I'm inspired. I light up with anything that's positive. So you know, people and place, daughters, family, clients. I just get really excited about it. So there's 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 not one person, but like I'd say, you know, one of my first clients at Leap, Manda Brookman, who runs Cornwall Sustainable Tourism Trust, I met her while working on a design project for Sustrans. And she just really was sticky, you know, like in the fact that what she was saying, I loved, loved her environmental ambition. And so and when I first set up Leap, I went straight to her and said, you don't know me, but I really want to work for you. So, and then she looked at me skeptically. And then in the evening she goes, oh my God, you work in a way that I believe in. So can I just switch all my work to you? So I'd say people like Amanda, but I'm foot with Leap. So it's a long answer. <laughs> it is just the people we work for. And um, I'm not very good at like, you know, like favorite films or this or that. I've never been good. It's just, I get excited just about the possibility of what that person can enable change wise. Mm, mm. Um, and then if I'm going to think if there's anybody, you know, out there, no, no, I guess I'm, I'm quite lucky through business. I meet lots of phenomenal people. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's, no, sorry, that's all right. That's, yeah. that's fine. I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great answer. I mean, if, if more people could be inspired by what they see, day in day out and the things that they do then uh, then how much how much positive energy would that generate oh indeed indeed yeah you know, that, and then if we could harness that energy yeah absolutely <laughs> harness it as yeah. a force for good definitely yes definitely and so um you've been in business for 30 years 20, start, 20 years, 20, nearly 20 yeah, years. Nearly, nearly 20, 20 years. years. I st started my design career in 93, yeah. changed my purpose direction um, when, I, when I was 30. Yeah, okay. So what's the most important lesson that you've learned then in that period? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I was laughing to myself on all of these like, like final, those final questions. So I think... I think it's, it will start with the, my one is always just trust your gut. There's, a, there's always, always that. And it has proved me right a lot kind mm -hmm. of thing, but it's a hard one to trust. But the like, as you feel something click and go with it. But the other thing is, you know, it's that kind of thing, you know, Oscar Wilde said, just be yourself because everyone else is taken. So if we apply that to a business sense, you know, when I said, I'm going to do this with leap, everyone said, well, you know, you're going to fail. And literally you expect your friends or your family to go, yeah, good one. You know, brilliant. And nobody believed me. And so I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't listen to advice. Um, there is great advice out there. I, I'm not a big book rides reader or anything like that anymore. I just went again with my gut. So just because somebody says you're going to fail, don't feel that you've got to give up at that point. Um, if you, if, if your gut's in it and your intent, give it a try because worst case scenario, it doesn't work and you can go back to, you know, what you were doing or you've got those skills to go on. So yeah, mm. that would be my advice. But I think my overarching one would always be just trust your gut. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And um, what advice then would you give somebody who wants to connect with their purpose and, and go and make it happen? Well, personally, it's already within you. Um, you've just got to find the thing that maybe the day-to-day -day job, um, the life you lead is maybe holding you back because of, you know, fear or commitment and things like that. So take some time out for you, get, get your space for breathe, doing the thing you really love that, that gives you happiness and then think about where it could lead you. Hmm. Um, I know it's a confusing world and I know also that there's many things that will try and hold us back, but there's nothing that's going to deliver purpose to you. It's only what's within you kind of thing. You could see a business coach, you know, it's the same with the B Corp movement with B corporations certification doesn't give you purpose. You have to be a purposeful business and then become certificated. So yeah, give yourself time to find the thing that's going to give you joy. Um, you know, every day um even though some of those days are going to be really hard when you're thinking about where's this paycheck coming from or where's that but if you've found that thing that makes everything worth it then you know you've got your purpose so 
Fantastic. That's a great answer. And you're sort of living, living proof of that, having, having connected with, uh, with the, the things you love doing as a child and, uh, and turning yeah. that into a, into a career that you love and enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's only when looking back, you know, it's easier looking back. And when I realized, you know, how close I was coming to my childhood dreams, which academically I thought I couldn't do. And then it actually, that's what drove me to do the spaceport thing. It's like, well, actually, if I can get the space bit, because I already do the nature work and we work with all these zoos of Europe, the Asian, the Asian pangolin society we work for and all sorts of com- organizations like that. If I can get a bit of space. I've done what I said I'd do at eight. And then I turned that into a talk, a careers talk and did a keynote around it where I showed my early days and then I showed the pangolin and I showed a bit about space. So I kind of do that as a careers talk now about never give up on your dreams. And the thing that makes you weird as a kid makes you great when you grow up. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So uh, I love that a bit. And that's why, you know, I absolutely love anyone that can just go in a way go against the flow and um just be themselves love that love that matt it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you is, is there anything <laughs> is there anything that you you, you want to say before we uh before before we call it to a close i i think i've probably said uh said enough really i've bombarded, <laughs> I bombarded you with um information and words and i i think just you know thank you for for having me you know on and uh, joining your ever-growing band of um people with purpose that you've been chatting to and you know thank you for your time and thank you for you know putting this out into the world and you know if you know i always think with things like this if they just change one heart and mind we've done our job let alone more and multiples and as you're in devon i'll have to pop up you know, sometime and maybe not run with you, um, but catch up with you properly sometime. Yeah, that, that, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. And, uh, I did see that the good fest was on, but unfortunately I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't make it this time around, but, um, but maybe next year. Yeah. I mean, this year I've only got five tickets left to sell, so that's great. And we've got some charity pay it forward tickets that people can buy for, you know, those that can't afford to come and things like that. So we've got a stellar, lineup of really individual speakers and and then what i can't say you is but we got obviously patagonia opening the event mm. so obviously with everything that's just happened with patagonia mm. which is a phenomenal you know unprecedented business move and hopefully it'll lead on to you know more of this you know an earth of the shareholder mentality um we've got some uh surprise guests coming with patagonia not the founder of patagonia um but i was looking at the guest list going oh my god they're coming wow our audience is going to be so chuffed that they're going to be in the audience as well fantastic Brilliant. So, um, don't know how it's going to go because we're always winging it as well. So, uh, <laughs> well, it sounds, sounds like it's worked pretty well for you so far. So, I won't worry about it too much. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And then, thank you know, again. Thanks for sharing. And actually, you made me think about underfloor heating as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's a good. It's a good thing. Well, if this generates a sales lead for me and and, and, <laughs> and some and, and and some new clients for you, then we're all onto a winner. And that's not the purpose of it, as uh, no, as, no, as no. we as we as we discussed at the start. But but how can people find out more about you and and follow your work? Good point. So um, the agency is called Leap. So it's just really simple. Leap.eco is the um, is the domain. So leap.eco, and uh, and then you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, and then for our business side, we tend to use mostly Instagram. So it's just made by Leap or Matt.hocking on Instagram. Um, we've got Goodfest Cornwall, which is just goodfestcornwall.com, which is our creative conversation gathering uh, with a good bit of food and a good bit of nature. And so, yeah, and um, just really just LinkedIn on socials. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.